It's question and answer time with Stephen Pope. I'm the founder of my Amazon guy. These questions come from Quiet Light Brokerage, and it's our pleasure to add back to the community wherever we can to give insightful information to grow your Amazon sales. First question, we got nine of them to do today. What do you need to start an Amazon FBA business? This is obviously a pretty broad question. Could be broken down into very many different subsections, time commitment, business experience, that kind of stuff. So let's let's go ahead and answer that one. Uh, basically, you need a product and you need a business model. You need to figure out what kind of product you want to sell and what kind of business model do you want to operate. Are you going for super fast growth? Cool. Many different objectives for that. Are you going for profit and you need to be profitable from day one and you're on a low budget? Very different mentality. So once you've narrowed it down between those two extremes or somewhere in between, then you need to figure out how to go ahead and execute. Um, everything you need to start a business, everything from getting your LLC or your S-Corp in place, uh, making sure you've got uh, your side hustle figured out if you're doing this as a side gig and you know how much time commitment it's going to take. But at the end of the day, the, the core principle is you need to have some sort of product and some sort of business model. Once you have a product chosen, uh, then you need to figure out, okay, is there a market for this? Um, is this a demand gen product or is this going to be a product where you go co-opt demand? If it's a demand gen product, that's a really tough bill um, because you have to bring new customers to the market that may not be there currently. Uh, for example, if you invest and uh, create this brand new widget where it's never been done before and it solves a problem people didn't know they have, that's a demand gen product. And you're not going to have keywords and um, traffic to go co-op from your competitors. They just It just simply doesn't exist. Um, now, for, for co-op, I'm sorry, for demand gen products that do work, um, and generally they're maybe one out of 20 that do work, they make millions of dollars. But for the most part, 80 to 90% of us in this business, we're going to be co-opting demand. So we're going to market with another Me Too product, but hopefully putting your own personal spin on it. You want to have, you know, let's say you're going to try and sell yoga mats. Well, if you go into yoga mats right now and Amazon, look at the top three sellers, the top two or three main complaints are, man, these things stink, they're slippery, and they fall apart. So can you solve two of those three big main problems? If so, you've got a Me Too product improvement. You can go to market all day long with that. So go to go to market with a product uh, that you think will be successful. I always like to launch three products at the same time. Every three products you launch, one will do well, one will break even, and one will make a loss. So if you use that math, it does check out over time, 33% um, success rate, and you double down and reorder the ones that do work. All right, question number two, how to find profitable Amazon FBA business ideas and products that won't require a large budget to launch. Generally speaking, you want to avoid anything with technology or anything that the cost of good is above $5 to answer that question. And if you have an item that uh, is above those thresholds and your minimum order quantity is 1000 well, you're going to be pretty invested into that product very fast. Now, there's a lot of benefits to going with an expensive product because it means the market entrance of your competition will be greatly less. You're going to have less side hustlers out there chasing down your product. But if you go to market with an item cost of good that costs a dollar, dollar fifty to make, very easy to compete with you. I could go to market with 
$1,500 in my pocket and try and knock off your product. So you get the idea. Um, so choose your poison on that question. But basically, if you're going to go to market, uh, you could you could go uh, private label an item, pick it off Alibaba for your first item or two, and go to market with a couple grand out of pocket. Now, I do recommend that you have some money to invest in advertising, traffic. Go make sure you have a trademark and brand registry in place so you can get A-plus content and a bunch of other beneficial things. Technically not required to sell on Amazon, but as Amazon enters its maturity phase, the better and more optimization you do, the better off you will be to compete. It's never been a better time to sell on Amazon, but it's also never been a more competitive time to sell on Amazon. Amazon is raising the bar. They make it harder to sell on the platform, harder to even open up the application, but more people are entering the market and shopping on Amazon. So I like to use Helium 10 for any product research questions. So you go to amazon.com, use the Chrome extension Helium 10. You can also use Jungle Scout um, and a few other variety of tools and basically just crawl products that you feel familiar with. Um, here's the answer you're not going to hear anywhere else, though. Uh, damn the data. Just go with your gut. Uh, there's a reason why I say this, and I have to be very careful because if, if you go with the data all day long, the data is public. Everybody else can follow the data as well. But if you go with your gut, so let's say you're a guy who knows how to build stuff and you sell uh, motorcycle parts and you know how to build this one special part from scratch. Well, if nobody else knows how to do that, you have a niche audience and you're going to be micro famous. And if you're micro famous, it's much easier to be the only guy doing it versus uh, a litany of competitors who are also selling the same Me Too product. So I, I just encourage you to think through what kind of business model you want to have. And if you want to have one where you're the only guy, it behooves you to be product knowledgeable, to be an expert in that space. It will make it so you're faster to profit if you have less competition uh, and, and you won't have to spend as much money advertising. So I've seen products that go to market and do zero ads and then they're a 30K a month business and I'm like, what the heck? Uh, and I go in and I investigate it and it's, it's because they're selling something that is in demand but nobody else has. Whether people are stocked out, maybe you're selling webcams during the webcam uh, COVID 2.0 crisis when nobody has a webcam because everybody's working from home remote, whatever it might be. Uh, so just just figure out where you are on that potential, um, you know, one to ten scale of, of profit versus growth. They, those two things will have a happy friction between each other. Next question, how to allocate your budget? What, what percentage of your budget should be dedicated to purchasing inventory versus advertising, giveaways, etc.? So there's probably no right or wrong answer to this question. It depends on the product, the category, and a bunch of other variables. But um, when in doubt, I would keep at least 30% of your potential budget to marketing. So if your cost of goods is $2, then you should probably, you know, if you're going to sell it at, at, at uh, um, you know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever it might be, I would have at least uh, a sizable launch uh, budget dedicated to marketing. Over time, I generally recommend somewhere between 7 and 10% of your gross sales should be spent on ads. 10% if you want to grow, 7% if you just want to maintain your cadence or your sales velocity. So uh, the, the cost of goods is generally your first expense out of pocket. 
Um, one of the things that a lot of people forget to do is go buy your competitor products before you go to market. Make sure you budget for that as well. That's a small part of your budget, but one overlooked frequently. Another um, thing is order samples out of China before you go um, go gung-ho and just you know order something for a few grand without an inspection. Maybe you want to look at those samples first. Maybe you want to pay for that inspection. Um, and those inspectors do need instructions on telling them what to look for. So for example, you sell a glass item. Maybe you want it to pass a four-foot drop test and verify the packaging is good to ship directly to the consumer. Figure out what you want to do. Um, for risk takers out there, you will get burned, especially when it comes to sourcing and product launches. So it behooves you to go ahead and pay the piper on some of those budgeting constraints uh, to figure out where to go. So, um, you know, you're going to have an MOQ minimum order quantity of around 1,000 units, generally speaking. Um, so times that by uh, your cost of goods, extrapolate where you want to sell your items price at, work the margin backwards from there, allocate 10% to ads, 33% cut to Amazon, and your cost of goods should somewhere between 20 and 50%, and figure out what your profit is that remains. From there, you can extrapolate further and say, what if I took all of my profit and put it all into marketing? How much faster could I grow? And you can play with the numbers from there. All right, so next question, uh, how to get reviews. Are paid programs risky or legit? So this is a moving target right now. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to generate reviews on Amazon right now. Um, Amazon's come out with programs like Vine. They've also come out with programs like uh, um, Early Reviewer, but they're really insufficient for mass production review generation. Uh, there has been a lot of abuse with giveaways for product reviews. One of the pe best pieces of advice I'll give you is don't do any incentivized reviews and especially don't do a product insert review giveaway. If you do that, you will get caught, you will lose your listing, potentially get suspended or fined by Amazon. So uh, it's, it's a very touchy subject right now. Uh, are paid programs where you can generate reviews still working? Yes, they are. Are they white hat? Probably not. Are they black hat? Not quite yet. But they're probably somewhere in that gray zone. Uh, do I endorse any particular one? I do not. Um, and I think that you have to do your own homework and research on this question. As an agency, we don't actually, you know, at my Amazon guy, we don't, we're not in the business of review generation. It's, it's unfortunately an area where we've had to divorce ourselves because it's become so um, difficult to manage. We basically use programs like Feedback Wiz to do email automated generation, but beyond that, not a whole lot else. Um, organic reviews come in at a pretty poultry rate, somewhere between one out of a hundred will leave a product review. You put up an email series like Feedback Wiz, you might get it to two out of a hundred and go from there. So unfortunately, review generation's never been harder. Uh, and I would say it should be an afterthought to most of your strategies uh, and just focus on do, delivering a high quality product. I, I think you're better off putting money into the quality of your product than trying to generate reviews for it. Let the organic reviews come in over time. You can't compete with those guys with three or four or 5,000 reviews. Just go to market with a high quality product and, and put advertising dollars and you'll do just fine. Are you going to do as well as those guys that have been around the block a while? Probably not. But over time, I think that playing field will continue to be leveled. 
All right, so next question. Is there a minimum budget that people should have in order to start an Amazon business? Uh, you know, I, I think $5,000 is probably the right amount. If you can spend $5,000 on an investment and it to fail and deliver $0 back and you wouldn't lose your shirt, you could still pay rent and you'd be okay, I think that's the valid number. If you want to go buy a business, I, I think you're looking at um, you know somewhere around 150 to 250 thousand um, dollars. So if you want to start your own business, five grand doesn't sound so bad. Um, that five grand is going to be bucketed into your first two or three items in cost of goods. The rest would go into marketing it. Um, you know, obviously, the higher your cost of good, the less likely you're going to have a lot of leftover money to spend it on ads. So just something to keep in mind. Um, but the more money that you launch in the first two week honeymoon period on Amazon, the better it's going to do to leapfrog other listings on Amazon and gain earned media SEO keyword rankings. So that's why I think it's really nice to have a couple grand in ads in the first two weeks of launching a product and then let the portal, um, sales just kind of fill in the gaps in the meantime. Um, so what do I mean by that? Um, once you've got some investment into the system, let the system continue to reinvest into itself. So you take that five grand, maybe you turn it into 20 grand and let that 20 grand turn itself into a hundred grand and, and kind of keep going from there. That's how you want it to work. How it actually ends up working is, Hey, I invested five grand. I ran out of money. I need to invest another 20 here. And then, uh, hopefully you get a payout eight to 12 months down the road. So be prepared for reinvesting. And if you don't, again, if you don't have at least five grand that you could lose, not lose any sleep over, then don't move forward. I think at the bare minimum, uh, I, I offer coaching calls at myamazonguy.com where we can coach you in, or we can coach you out to help you figure out if it's good business for you. Amazon selling is not a passive income. It is really difficult. And you will either have to pay an expert to help you navigate the barriers like my Amazon guy or you're going to have to go listen to 20 podcasts and 100 videos and train yourself. So if you're in your retirement age and you're not really into spending time learning new technology skills, don't do it. If you are really hungry and you're straight out of college, but you don't have the finances and five grand would you know hurt the bank, don't do it. And figure out if it makes sense for you and your own budget. All right, so next question, recommended resources for learning about Amazon and fulfilled by Amazon. So here is the challenging question. If you're trying to go it yourself, there's lots of free information out there. We have over 400 videos on every Amazon question you could possibly imagine, imagine on our YouTube channel. But that's 400 videos where you're gonna have to go through and figure out which one's relevant to you for your just-in-time learning knowledge set. It's very difficult to find qualified resources on any particular question. You could go out and pay for a course for a couple grand or go, go watch a bunch of videos. But at the end of the day, I would say avoid any resource that says Amazon is passive income and you can be, uh, you know, work, you know, working from your yacht. Um, those are the kinds of sources of information I would avoid. And instead I would listen to sources where they are real authentic and they get straight to the point. They don't try and sell you something and they're just like, here's how Amazon works. Take it or leave it. Those are the sources I would recommend. Um, so we've got a podcast called my Amazon guy, where we talk about every Amazon issue you can imagine. 
YouTube channel with 400 videos. There are many other resources out there um, and, and you will have to navigate them yourself and judge whether they're a good fit for you or they're not. Um, there is so much information out there in the information age and now it's really just a question of what is relevant and what is qualified information. Um, so, you know, the guys at Quiet Light Brokerage, they've looked at the P&Ls at many of these organizations. They can qualify some of these content sources very easily, um, but they probably are under NDA and can't share that info. So that becomes a challenge point. Uh, so you're just going to have to figure out like what resource is saying what and judge it for yourself. It's, it's really not, there's really no immediate bright line beyond what I've stated, unfortunately. So it's just really hard to find good Amazon info to make this problem worse. Amazon support is not a great resource. They will give you 15 different answers. If you file 15 questions that are basically worded the same. Uh, and, and if they are worded the same on the answer, it's a copy paste answer, which doesn't necessarily give you a clear indication of what actually go do. So it's a very challenging navigational question, uh, to figure out what proper resources, um, you're going to have to pay your tax as they say, to go learn how to do this one way or another, either you pay for a qualified resource to come in and give you factual information based on past experience or you pay it in your own blood, sweat, and tears, and possibly cash, and go make the mistakes yourself. So uh, figure figure that one out as you see fit. Next question, how to advertise your Amazon FBA business inexpensively? So I, I think Amazon PPC is getting more expensive, but it's still the bread and butter of how the system works. It's, it's still profitable to do so. Uh, if you advertise at a break-even point, then you're going to be profitable on Amazon because every PPC sale you get, you're going to generate three SEO sales and it's a great resource and opportunity uh, to, to make that happen. So uh, there are external traffic sources you could go do, Facebook, Google, Pinterest, whatever it might be. The challenge with those is there's no way to track sales back into Amazon to figure out what resource actually delivered any particular ROI. So I generally don't recommend external resources unless it's for a product launch. And then after that, I generally just rely upon Amazon's own advertising system. Amazon's advertising has over eight different segmented ways you can advertise. Auto campaigns are the easiest to set up day one. Those, you don't even need an expert for those to set up an auto campaign. Um, all the manual campaigns have a lot of segmentation. They're sponsored products. They're sponsored brands. Uh, and display ads. There's now video ads. Video ads are very hot right now. If there was one tip I'd give you today that's your major takeaway is invest in video content. That will go a very long way and it's pretty inexpensive to do so even if you only have still shots and you're just rotating the video down. Um, we've seen those ads work still effectively. Obviously the better show and tell you do, the more humanization, the lifestyles, those kinds of things. Those are also great ways to advertise your FBA business. Invest in photography, invest in assets, creative assets, A-plus content. Those are going to pay dividends for months. They're not going to be like, hey, you load your A-plus content and your sales go up 500% tomorrow, but they will go up 500% over 6 to 12 months from your A-plus content, right? Like it, it makes a big difference. Um, and your keyword rankings and your indexing will all benefit from inexpensive SEO, earned media, um, investments, but PPC and advertising still a great place to, to get started inexpensively for a couple hundred bucks, go test some keywords, see what converts. If you've got an ACOS that is acceptable to your goals, you'll be in good shape. Next question. 
Examples of successful Amazon businesses were started with a small budget. So I'm going to share two business examples that I've used. Um, both are businesses that I've personally started. So I don't have a lot of permission to share other people's businesses. So that's why I'm defaulting to my own. But basically, um, Momster is my current brand. I side hustle this outside of my agency primarily just to uh, test things. But I started this particular brand uh, with a $30,000 investment and, uh, you know, ordered a container load of decanters and wine glasses out of China. Um, quite frankly, I don't think that's the way I would do it if I did it again. Um, but that is what I did to get this one off the ground. Um, you know, the nice thing about selling um, glassware is that a lot of people are afraid of it. So, you you know, your, your disadvantage becomes my advantage. I can figure out how to package this safely and get it to the consumer. Um, I invest a lot into creative. Uh, so I've got pictures and videos demonstrating the product. These are things that, you know, high quality uh, marketing can overcome and help you out on. I've got hundreds of reviews on these listings at this stage, so it'd be really hard to dislodge me. But I am the number one. Um, I have the number one wine glass for funny wine glasses on Amazon. So this is a good example of a business. Um, now, the reason it worked, though, is because I've been looking at this category for years. I had also started a previous business called Fine Occasion. Um, my business partner at the time, we put in five grand each. It was highly effective, did really quite well. Um, this particular business uh, was essentially buying Dollar Tree um, glassware and throwing on a 60 cent pewter crest that we got, got out of China. And the business still does quite well. Uh, and I'm no longer involved in this business, but basically it's proof that you can take uh, a low cost item, make it giftable and uh, become very competitive quickly in the, the atmosphere. So uh, you take a particular idea, which is, hey, people like personalized gifts. And then you uh, throw a little twist on it. So in this case, it was these pewter crests. And, and then you've got a niche that's your own that maybe somebody else doesn't know how to invest in pewter crests. Um, and you've got something that nobody else has, and that allows you to be successful. So that's why both of these businesses were successful um, is because we niched ourselves. We found something that nobody else was doing but did so in a space that was already popular, i.e. a la giftable items. So uh, that's why I think that it's really important that whatever business you start, you're knowledgeable in it because if you just do it based on data, you're going you're gonna to fail. It's not going to work. Um, <clears throat> all right, so last question on the list is how does Amazon FBA work? And uh, I think this is an important question to answer. However, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, there's, there's a lot to learn about it. So in a two minute soundbite, this isn't going to be all inclusive, but basically you ship items into Amazon's facility. They hold the items. They then ship those items directly to the consumer. It allows you to get a two day prime badge on your listing, which is the benefit. Their cost to ship the item is quite competitive. So if you take a, you know, a small item that you can fit in the palm of your hand, $3.50 is generally an average cost to ship that to a consumer. Most people that might cost six or seven dollars or even eight eight dollars to UPS or FedEx it and uh, Amazon can beat that all day long. It allows you to sell your item at a lower price on Amazon, have two-day shipping, never touch your product. 
um, and deal not have to deal with returns and a bunch of other um, hassles that Amazon solves for you. So I, I think it's a really great program. Um, Amazon's FBA system, though, is half the economy right now, and so it's vulnerable. And, and if too many people send all their stuff into FBA, it's going to run out of space. So I, I think in this day and age, it behooves you to have your own warehouse. If you don't own your own building, at least have a 3PL where you've got some stock at. That way, if something goes wrong at FBA, maybe their shipping timeframes are super long or they're running out of space, you can't ship enough in, you're going to stock out, have a backup option for merchant fulfilled. But uh, FBA as a platform will allow you to scale your businesses in ways that you don't have to focus on the logistics as much. And you can focus on the operations of product sourcing or go focus on the marketing or the finance. And it's basically a way to outsource your logistics. Um, and, and I think it's a great program. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like making Amazon a 33% partner. Um, that's a 15% referral fee, 10% for ads, and the rest usually makes up logistics and storage costs and shipping and all that good stuff. But I think it's a bargain. Um, it's the fastest wealth transfer in the nation we've ever seen or had access to today, even in 2020, going into 2021. So I think it's a great time to be on Amazon, but I, I also like to stress simultaneously that it's not passive income and it's very difficult. Um, you know, there, there are constraints in working with FBA. They want to have at what's called an index performance number, where if you don't sell enough of your inventory that you ship into Amazon, they will penalize you for it. They'll charge you storage fees. They'll limit the ability to restock it. So there's a lot of nuances that are involved with selling FBA um, via Amazon right now, and you just have to be kind of aware of that. When in doubt, diversify your portfolio, diversify your products, diversify your marketplaces, as well as where you store your inventory, because if one thing breaks, then you're not beholden to it and your whole business model doesn't crumble. So if you're a single SKU business and that single SKU gets yanked on Amazon, for example, you, you know, you're not going to shed some tears because your business is just totally gone. Um, so diversify is definitely a great idea or concept. So hopefully you found that helpful today. Um, again, my name is Stephen Pope. I'm the founder of My Amazon Guy. If you have any questions for me or want further insights or help, you can go to myamazonguy.com. Thanks so much. And uh, shout out to Quiet Light Brokerage for their list of questions today. Uh, very great questions. We really appreciate it.